Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. It is an incredible honor to be on EIB filling in for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh, on a day that that the Lord has made. And it's a day that three decades ago, Rush Limbaugh decided to take the biggest known career risk that any celebrity had ever taken, any talk show host, to create Open Line Friday. 800-282-2882. And I am imagining what the Maha would be telling us uh, about the news cycle. In fact, I'd love to hear from you what you hear in your mind about the news cycle today through the lens of Rush Limbaugh and the rules of life, etc., that he taught us at 800-282-2882. You just think about this, that... What used to be cages, well, no, I mean, go back to this. They were facilities under Barack Obama where, quote, migrant children were held. Then they became cages that desperate angels were put during the Trump administration, cages where the kids were put. Now they're facilities again. And I can just imagine Rush explaining this all to us, that it's just, it's what liberals do. You have a, a, you know, a man in the White House behind the militarized installation, who for years talked about President Trump's knee-jerk foreign policy and dangerous foreign policy, who's now bombed Syria. I don't see Code Pink. I think Rush told us they take vacations during Democrats' presidencies or or pseudo-presidencies. So I'd love to hear what you think about what Rush would be telling us today um, from some of his undeniable truths of life. Also, just things that Rush told you over the years that resonate with you, maybe even outside of politics or specifically outside of politics. In addition to your calls today, a bunch of classic phone calls. Some of them are funny, hilarious. Some of them are touching. One favorite aspect of Rush to me is that he defied cancel culture his whole career. There were constant attempts. I've heard Mark Stein talk really eloquently about the hundreds of millions of dollars spent to try to get Rush off the air. One of my very favorite lessons from Professor from Professor Limbaugh was Rush defeated cancel culture from the actual White House, an attempt to cancel him from the White House. Before that was even a phrase, 
And it happened after Rush gave the Wall Street Journal four words about Obama's first term. Let's hear this, and I'll explain how Rush defeated it. Now, you millennials are young enough you may not have been listening to this program January 16, 2009. On January 16, 2009, the day before, I had been contacted by the Wall Street Journal. Obama was yet to be immaculated. That would be five days later. The Wall Street Journal was acting, uh, asking uh, highly reputed, relevant commentators to submit 400 words on their hopes and dreams for the new Obama administration. And I came here to the Golden EIB microphone and I told my audience my reply to the Wall Street Journal. Sound I don't need 400 one. words. I need four. I hope he fails. Well, what are you laughing at? See, here's the point. Everybody thinks it's outrageous to say. Look at even my staff. Oh, you can't do that. You, why not? Why is it any different what's new, what is unfair about my saying I hope liberalism fails? Liberalism is our problem. Liberalism is what's gotten us dangerously close to the precipice here. Why do I want more of it? I don't care what the drive-by story is. I would be honored if the drive-by media headlined me all day long, Limbaugh colon, I hope Obama fails. Somebody's got to say it. And they did. They headlined it exactly that way. Limbaugh, I hope Obama fails. What they purposely got wrong was they reported that I was hoping America failed. That I was so rank partisan that I was willing for my country to suffer in order for Obama's presidency to fail. And it was the exact opposite. I wanted Obama to fail so that my country would not. I wanted Obama's liberal agenda, his socialist community organizer agenda to fail. I did not and never have and never will want America to fail. Never. No way. This was my point of trying to articulate the difference. I wanted Obama to fail implementing things like Obamacare. I wanted Obama to fail in letting the Iranians have nuclear weapons. I wanted Obama to fail at keeping our borders open. I wanted Obama to fail at everything he did. I wanted Obama to fail at the stimulus. I did not want America to fail. I wanted America to be saved. Well... I made that distinction every day for a month. Even my first nationally televised address to America at the CPAC convention in February. I went through it there on national TV, four networks, just as I did to you here. And it continued to be misrepresented. It continued to be portrayed as I was hoping America would fail. And it still is. Nine years later, folks, and they can't let go of it. <laughs> Uh, it was Rush on uh, December 4th, 2017, remembering earlier when he'd said this. And I, I absolutely adored the lesson from Professor Limbaugh after the White House went at him and the Democrats. They took out billboards trying to attack Rush. Right? The, the White House, the president, was attacking a, a media figure, albeit the biggest talk show host in history most listened to. And I remember Rush's response on the air. He quoted Delinsky. He said, look, you know, Mr. President, I, I get the playbook. Pick a target. Cut it off from its support base. Right? Isolate it. But the problem is, you think that my target is my advertisers. 
And Apertash has been very loyal to Rush. He said, look, I'm family with my listeners. You can't separate us. <laughs> he also said that, uh, he said, President Obama, I- I've prepared all my life for people like you. You know, uh, there's nothing you can give me. Therefore, there's nothing you can take from me. And he offered a peace treaty of sorts or a, a meeting. Armaha said, listen, why don't you fly e- uh, the, uh, the Air Force One down here? And we'll have a meeting and see if we can come to some form of agreement. Or better yet, Rush said, I'll tell you what. I'll come and pick you up <laughs> in EIB-1 uh, because it's a, it's a better airplane. And on the way back, I can talk to you about what it feels like to purchase things like this with money you earned. Rush canceled that attempt to cancel Rush Limbaugh. And there's a lot of people who could learn a lot of lessons from that to this day. Now... In the news, and we'll hear your phone calls about this, Barack Biden has decided to bomb Syria after Jen Circleback Saki talked about President Trump's dangerous, militarized foreign policy. And, of course, there's no one from the left who's going after this. But you remember there's another story that Rush had shared with us. And, and now that Barack Biden controls the White House, So he went back to bombing Middle Eastern countries. You will probably remember Russia's story about Ron Silver. If not, here's a reminder. You all remember in 1992, the week prior to the inauguration of Slick Willie, Clinton scheduled all kinds of events in the Washington Mall, parties and events. And one of the things that Clinton scheduled was a flyover of military jets. And there was an actor by the name of Ron Silver. And Ron Silver got mad as hell. He said, what the hell is that? We don't do it. Who are they flying jets over Washington? What the hell? And somebody had to calm him down and say, Ron, those are our jets now. Oh, yeah. So when the Democrats, those are our jets. They used to be. They were Reagan's jets. And then they were Bush's jets. They weren't ours, but now they're our jets. And that indication, right? Ron Silver later became a great conservative before he passed away. If your foreign policy is dependent upon who is doing the bombing, you don't have a foreign policy. And Rush shared with us all these years about the Democrats and the duplicitous way they used the military and exploration projects and wars that they sponsored. But so many of them had nothing to do with putting America first. We have now, and Rush warned us about this, we have now a president who has announced that America is not first. And I think to this day, right, this is our, you realize this is our first full week without America's anchorman. This is the first full week since Rush has gone to heaven. And I would love to hear a monologue today about Syria. And a reminder of how the Democrats actually enjoy using the military in this fashion once they get into office. I remember Rush's monologue about Barack Obama's interview. Do you remember when Obama bragged about being good at killing people? Do you remember this? I think it was in Rolling Stone where he was talking about droning people. And it turned out he was really good at this. Later this weekend, Rush is going to be honored at CPAC. And that makes sense. He's going to be honored the next day. President Trump is going to speak. He's, he's the headliner. Do you know that Jack Dorsey at Twitter has actually put up this, this warning page when you click to go to CPAC.org? If you see a, a link from CPAC um, on Twitter, at least this is the way it was a few days ago, they were putting up a this may be a dangerous link page. Yep, it is dangerous.
for leftism. Because Rush gave an historic speech at CPAC. We're going to go back through that. The president's going to speak. There will be networks that will show up. But we also live in an era where Rush had warned us that they couldn't wait one day to bring back the so-called fairness doctrine. One day to limit what media you're allowed to see. And now we see this, the Democrats plotting this. So we'll hear your phone calls today about lessons from Professor Limbaugh, how you think Rush would be handling news today on Open Line Friday, 800-282-2882. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman filling in on the EIB Network for our friend Rush Limbaugh. And I was puzzling about this, about the ability to maintain a grounding. You know, we'll we'll get your comments on how Rush would view the news of the day and things you've learned from Professor Limbaugh. But I've been puzzling about Rush's ability to maintain his grounding as a one-word celebrity. I mean, I've never thought of Rush as a celebrity. I always thought of him as, well, we think of him as family, a thinker, um, a political analyst, par excellence, all of these things. But like you, for all these years, he seemed to be a friend. And I think the grounding came from his daily interactions with us. People at Russia's level don't get that. They get a lot of yes people. And I know, I know that the liberals don't understand the joke about dittos. They don't, they don't get that Rush never wanted mind-none robots, ever. He liked to debate things with us. And I think that was how Rush maintained this grounding, in, not to mention his upbringing, etc. And this showed when, when he talked to callers, you think about all the calls Rush took and it's still he still got jazzed when there was a unique idea or a hard question. And in fact, anyone who ever got through to the famous phone number 800-282-2882 remembers the thrill of being greeted by the Maha. Here is Stuart in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Great to have you, Stuart. How are you, sir? Hey, Rush. Love you. Great band. Uh, question is this. Lee Re- Greenwood sings a song about starting over with his children and his wife. My question to you is, if you had to start over with nothing, what are some things that money can buy that you would miss? <laughs> what a clever, clever question. Let me translate this. If you were poor and destitute and pooping in the streets of San Francisco, what would you miss the most? That's right. That money can buy. In other words, this money can't buy happiness, but we're going to pretend here. That what what would you miss that you can afford now that you can't afford, wouldn't be able to afford? Oh, man. Well, there's... Now, this is one of these questions. Do I answer this honestly or do I try to come up with something clever? Yeah, at the top of the list would have to be EIB-1 because I still pinch myself when I got on board that thing, Stuart. Right. Uh, Okay. There's hands down. That that would be... I mean, what else? Uh, Now, Mr. Snurdly says I would miss the iPhone more. Yeah, but the iPhone would be within range. No, if I were, well, wait a minute. He didn't say, wait a minute. He didn't say poor, destitute, and hopeless. He didn't say poor, destitute, and talentless. He said, I'm starting over again. Meaning, I've done it once, I can do it again. The iPhone is aspirational, true. But 
EIB-1 is much, much, much more aspirational than an iPhone. But Snurdly's point is correct. To, to I mean, <laughs> it is kind of silly how much I like the thing. I, it is incredible how much pleasure I get out of it. And you know what else? It is almost disturbing how much disappointment it, it creates. For example, now wait, I got to draw the line on this somewhere. I mean, well, I don't want to be misunderstood, but there's nothing about the iPhone itself that disappoints me other than the lack of speed of technological innovation. That's silly, right? But, I mean, he asked. So, now the iPhone, all this, all this tech stuff, not just the iPhone. Uh, tech stuff is a, it's a brain exercise for me. It's, it's something that keeps my, uh, my brain from stagnating. To keep up with this stuff is a challenge. It's fun to do. But it would be within range if I were destitute, hopeless, pooping in the streets of San Francisco. Because he didn't say that I had no chance of getting it again. So, interesting question. I appreciate that, Stuart. See what I mean about the interaction? See, Rush is, is, is jazzed at the question and, and the sort of the, the challenge and the intellectual challenge. But there's something else there. If you've not lived in San Francisco, that, that pooping on the streets, that's a real thing. That's, that's, I remember the first time I was in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. And I thought, oh, that's, that person's, he's, he's, he's lost something. Is well, yeah. Sort of sadly, he's lost his humanity. So sad. And then this, in the midst of that phone call, did you hear it? The optimism, the, the smarts, the the quick analysis of the caller's question. He said, "Stuart from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, didn't say poor, destitute, and hopeless." That's Rush to a T. He's imagining I have to start completely over. My money's gone. And I'm I'm on the streets in San Francisco, and I'm I'm forced to defecate on the streets. I've got nowhere to go. Or I won't go to a shelter. I think Rush would find a way to get help. But even at that moment, he's saying, but he didn't say hopeless. He didn't say talentless. So I know, I, I know, we look at the national picture, we'll get into your calls about this. It's easy. It's, it's fundamentally easy to be hopeless. You see people who didn't take the lesson from Rush and do fold to cancel culture. You see organizations that fold to cancel culture. And now they're having to rebuild. But even in that moment, you see this optimism. And that more than anything else, I believe, I truly believe that more than anything else may have been the key. Not Well, there's the talent. There's the magician as a radio performer. Not that Rush was performing for us. He was analyzing and talking with us. But that core optimism. Always talking about things that could be done. I could see... It never happened, thankfully, but it did. I mean, what did he say? He was fired five times, but only seven for (laughs) only twice for rank and subordination. I could see our rush having woken up and and the money's gone. 
and where a lot of us would roll over and go back to sleep or, or duck and cover, I could see Rush getting up, getting a piece of paper, even if he had to borrow one, and putting down the list of things he's going to do now. And do you believe that it was that heart, that form of optimism that didn't just propel the career, but propelled every day us listening with hope, even as things look bad, with hope, because that's how Rush communicated. We'll get to your phone calls, more great Rush moments as we continue. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. It's 800-282-2882 on Open Line Friday. A little bit less of a risk for me in that I'm a rank amateur guest host. We do turn the phones over to rank amateur callers. Love to hear what you think the Professor Limbaugh would say about today's news events, lessons you've learned, non-political, etc. Blue check, Twitter types, Liberati, Journeratis, they, they instinctively dislike us, conservatives. So they constantly referred to Rush as a misogynist or a racist. And in fact, if you heard the conversation, extraordinary conversation between Mark Stein and Rush's dear Catherine, his wife, Catherine had been deceived about these characterizations of Rush. And she she put Rush Limbaugh on on the C-list of celebrities for a golf event she was organizing. Then she met Rush and realized, my goodness, I've made this this grave error. This person is nothing like that. And, of course, now you have this history. Uh, as Catherine shared with us on Rush's program. So some of the things, some of the reasons for this is Rush loved stereotypical humor because he knew it was stereotypical. You know, he was once asked what he thought of the feminist movement. He said, I love the feminist movement, especially when I'm walking behind it. And people could not grasp that Rush could see the multiple layers of funny to that. Funny in that it's a stereotypical joke. Funny because it's funny. And funny because it just drove leftist nuts. There was this invention. It was called the Rush Babe. And I just, I have a little bit of an idea here about Rush Babe. First, I want to talk to Brian in North Alabama. Brian, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in for our departed friend. Brian, welcome to Rush's show. Thanks for accepting my call. And, uh, my condolences go out to Rush's family and the staff there and uh, all of his listeners. I wanted to touch on a point you made earlier about you can't separate the family. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad listened to Rush from the get-go. Uh, my dad, which he's passed, but my mom still listens, and she's cried nearly every day mm. Rush has died. Mm. And uh, this morning at work, a, a lady that I work with, a co-worker, Connie, came up, and she was talking that she wanted to get a tattoo. Now, Connie, Connie you would not think would ever get a tattoo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they're like, what? Because, yes, I want to say EIB. And uh, people didn't realize what she was talking about, but I knew. And I was thinking, okay. And she started asking about the different tattoo parlors around that where she could get this tattoo. <laughs> but it just goes. That family, true family, can't be separated. Now, I've got blood family I have nothing to do with. They have nothing to do with me. But America, true Americans, I don't care if you're Hispanic, if you're black, you're white, you're Indian, whatever, what religion you are, if you're atheist, if you're a true part of the family, we accept you as you are, and we all, by God, fight together to the end. And that is the crux of what Rush 
was trying to get across to this nation is that, by gosh, we're family and we fight for the good of this country to the end. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, God Almighty contains or sees no races, right? He is... He's with us all, and there's a beautiful way to say that. I can hear that you're you're feeling emotional, and I, I want to let you know that um, the that, that folks are still pretty emotional. And I, I, I want to just say, Brian, I hear that in your voice, and and I don't I don't want to make light of the situation because I I know that you're emotional and your your dear mother's emotional. First of all, what's your mom's name? Uh, Marjane. Marjane, from the EIB family to you. Thank you for all these years of support, and and God bless you. Now, Brian, I have an idea for Connie. And this would be predicated upon <laughs> just thinking a bit about Rush. What if Connie were to get a tattoo that said Connie the Rush Babe on her <laughs> arm? <laughs> there you go. Connie the Rush Babe, right? There you, you th- go. Absolutely. Okay. I can see her rocking it. I could see her rocking it, too, with the heart and EIB in the middle, maybe the golden uh, EIB microphone surrounded with. Does Connie have favorite flowers? I know that. I don't know. Okay, because if she has favorite she flowers with her husband on that. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Brian. Smart move. Well, if it's not flowers, maybe she has a certain um, caliber of ammunition she enjoys that could surround the heart, uh, being a good conservative woman. But yeah, will you run that by her, Connie the Rush Babe? I'll do it. Okay. I'll do it. Uh, I appreciate well, the. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, and God go with you. See, that Rush Babes, that, that was an invention. And people misunderstood this. And I want you to hear something here that, that just proves that, that Rush Limbaugh knew that women were not monolithic and the phenomena of Rush Babes on Facebook absolutely proved it. Rush Babe is not demeaning or uh, insulting of women in any way. It is an acknowledgement, ladies and gentlemen that a proud conservative woman is innately attractive for independence or intellect or commitment to real values and doesn't mind being called a babe. It's a compliment to a well-adjusted, hey, babe, how are you? This is not an insult. Rush babes for America is a compliment. Only in the land of the left would calling a woman a babe to her face or something be uh, uh, insulting, such as stigmatizing her, ignoring the existence of her brain. You remember, I never forgot this. Just to show you the generation, like the great director, oh, he's married to Julie Andrews. I can't be, uh, Blake Edwards. He got a Lifetime Epidemic Award at the Oscars one year, and he gave... All of his thanks to the best broad in the world. The best broad he'd ever met, his wife, Julie Andrews. And you could hear a gasp in the room amongst the young actors and actresses who thought he was insulting her. Now, he was engaging in shock value. But back in his day, World War II generation, women were broads. It did not mean they were cows like it meant when I was in high school. They're dames. They were broads. They were, go um, okay, read a Mickey Spillane novel. There was, um, uh, anyway, he just called her great, great broad. What a great, it was the best compliment he could give her. And she took it that way, of course. And that's what Rush Babes is. It's not at 
all insulting. And this is the this is the, where the left again. I don't know if it's well. No, I, I'd say this. Part of the left sees women as monoliths because they need to. The same way that Joe Biden was perfectly comfortable saying, if you have trouble deciding whether to vote for me or, or Donald Trump, you ain't black. They have no problem putting people into these boxes because the boxes have been so fortuitous and such a good political tactic that you use these things as political tactics and suddenly you begin to believe these things. And suddenly you begin to believe that women are all one thing and all offended by one thing. And this goes, I think, to also the grounding of Rush and also his optimism. I believe that Rush felt when he took a call from one of us that he could do what the politicians call human connect and what Rush might call talking with us. And that the good-hearted people can see the glimmer, or even it would be sensing the glimmer in Rush's eyes. He says, oh, well, so you must be a Rush babe. I've heard that a hundred, if I've heard it a hundred times, I've heard it a thousand times, Rush. You must be a Rush babe. And there are going to be some people who get deeply offended by that, and that's okay, because you can't be a genuine human without offending people sometimes. And, and cancel culture is, of course, trying to chill all this. And Rush defeated cancel culture, as we talked about, cancel culture that came from the White House. That's it. It's the genuineness. There are people who pull punches and people who chill their own speech because they're afraid. They chill, the, they chill their own analysis because they're in fear of this current culture. And there are going to be people who pay a cost for that. And for people who don't. But our rush, if you ever, if you ever got in the air with them and that sound goes and he, it welcomes you to the show. It sounded like someone picking up the phone to talk to a buddy. That's just the way he did it. It's Todd Herman in for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for our departed friends now at Internal Peace with God, Rush Limbaugh. Leftists love, they love to pretend that they want villages to raise families. I can remember. Oh, man. Got to find that. Rush had such fun with uh, with Hillary's it takes a village to raise a family thing. When, when what they mean is they mean that they need, they want big government to indoctrinate the kids. You know, and if, if you doubt that, you just consult what, what big education is doing to kids. And on the converse to that, EIB is a village of ideas. I can remember debates about which Republican for whom we should vote on Russia's program. I can remember debates about President Trump's approach to things on this program, about parenting. I remember a debate about organic foods on this program, where Rush proved himself to understand the technology of that. It's always been that way, and EIB is it's a village of ideas, and it is a family. Later in the program, you're going to hear a call from the Rush archives of someone who described Rush's presence on the radio saving a life. We'll talk about that. Let's talk to Sandra in New Jersey. Sandra, you're on Rush Limbaugh's program. It's Todd Herman filling in on EIB. Hi, Sandra. Oh, hi, Todd. Thank you so much for taking my call, and I must compliment the phone screen. He's extremely sensitive and professional. But um, what I wanted to say today is how can I not thank Rush Limbaugh this whole year 
giving me strength to deal with my husband who yesterday had a liver transplant. And all through the year, he was very negative and very down. And, and I would listen to Rush every day saying, I am so grateful to get up every morning and start my day. And I would say to my husband, Michael, why don't you be like Rush? Be positive. Be grateful that you're here having breakfast and, and doing your day. And I have to say, Rush was strong and brave, and, and he taught me how to teach my husband to be like that. I love hearing that. I love it. Well, and and I would just, true. you know what? There's a power of uh, of prayer. This the Harvard did this study once. It, they intended to disprove the power of prayer. And I have this in a book. I'll have to pull it out sometime and reference the actual study. Um, but they found out that when people are being prayed for and they know they're being prayed for, they do better than people who are just being prayed for, and they all do better than people who don't receive prayers. So, Michael in New Jersey, what if we just transfer some prayers to your husband Aww. and let him know? We are a whole, the biggest radio audience in history, even with a rank amateur guest host here, are praying for Michael, right? And the thing oh, is, if, so nice. and listen to, to this is this is on audio in archive at RushLimbaugh.com. You listen to how Rush lived his last year yes. of life. There were no doldrums, yes. and you have a choice. I mean, you can you can be negative, and that's not going to help you be healthy. You can be positive, which does help and gives you quality of life. Is there anything else we can do for Michael from afar? No, you said it all. You did a beautiful thing today saying that. And I just want you to know I've been listening to Rush all my adult life, and I love him, and I will miss him. I do miss him, but I like that you'll keep him going every day like you're doing because he's one of a kind. <laughs> that's an one understatement. There's no doubt about that. Sandra, thank you so much for calling Rush's program, and, and oh, just a lot of prayers for you and Michael. Now, you, you, you see what I'm talking about. This is from we can go. we could go across the country. We could do this. I promise we could do this. I promise, given the power and the reach of the program that you built with Rush, side by side, I promise we could go throughout the country and we could gather calls like that and we could feature calls like that. We're going to get to Rush's speech at CPAC. We're going to get this was a decade ago and how prescient it was and how optimistic it was. You'll hear that next hour. A life Rush saved by being on the radio. Let's talk. We were talking about Rush, babes. Let's get this in real quick. Anna in San Diego, California. And I'm so pleased you called Rush's show. It's Todd Herman on the EIB Network. Hi, Anna. Hi, Todd. It's such an honor to talk to you and, and to be on the show. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional. but it's okay. I, I got inspired by the lady that called about being a Rush babe because I consider myself a Rush baby and a Rush babe. My dad is the one that turned me on to all of this. And he also taught me, like, the greatest lesson that I ever learned just as a person. And it was like Rush was that vehicle. So I have this magnet, and it says Rush Babe. I am a Rush Babe. (laughs) I love it. I do. It's really great. And, of course, I get a lot of comments. People come to my house. But I remember my dad. See, I'm originally from Kansas City, so Rush has been on our radio since I was a kid. So when I say I'm a Rush baby, I really am, and then I grew up to become a Rush babe. But he, one day, we were driving, and he had Rush on the, on the radio, and I said, Dad, why do you listen to this guy? Like, he's just so mean and angry. And my dad looked at me, and he's a sweet, sweet man, and he said, you know, you, he said, Rush is a very exciting and excitable guy. 
He said, you hear this emotion. He goes, but you're not listening to his message. And he challenged me to listen to Rush for a week. And I started to listen, and he said, you're not going to know who these players are. You're not going to know yeah. the current events. He goes, I'll help you with that, but just listen. And that was in the early 80s, or mid-80s, I should say, or late 80s, sorry, late 80s. And here I am today, and I, I love have it. rarely missed a day yeah. with Rush. But I learned the difference between hearing and listening, and it yes. helped me in my life to be a I better love it. person. And we're up against the clock. I want to tell you something. Listen very closely because I know you're a lifetime long Rush listener. Anna is one of my top ten favorite female names. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Anna. Thanks for calling Rush's show. I appreciate it. Uh, Everybody get it? It's Todd Herman in for Rush on the EIB Network. Oh, good heaven. I'm just so enjoying visiting with you today. On Rush's program, it's Todd Herman in on EIB, filling in for Rush. Mark Stein sent that as a standard. We fill in, we're still filling in for Rush. Next hour, uh, we see what's happening, and it's, I mean, it's perfectly predictable. The Democrats of, uh, of the White House behind the militarized installation. Joe Biden gets to be in the White House. And we're seeing this enormous spending machine starting back up. Nancy Pelosi has pledged that no matter what, they're going to get the minimum wage bill in there, the minimum wage um, you know, increase across the board. So suddenly all businesses having small businesses having been hammered by Democrat state governor's lockdowns um, can suddenly afford 15 bucks. We had that that California congressman say, oh, we don't want businesses that can't afford 15 bucks. We don't want small businesses. That's clear. Given your behaviors and policies, that's clear. Rush gave a speech. About um, about these dynamics of big government. He, he spoke at CPAC. I remember seeing the speech on TV. I regretted that I didn't go watch it in person. It was phenomenal. You'll hear part of that and some phone calls that I'm just looking at now. And I am just amazed at the things that you're going to hear and we'll hear together as we continue on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, Secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What an incredible honor to be on the EIB network, continuing to fill in for our dearly departed. Hearted friends, never forgotten. Rush Limbaugh on today, the day the Lord has made, and this is the time God has decided we will live. Rush is going to be honored tonight at CPAC at the Ronald Reagan dinner. However, just justice just happened. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida just spoke at, uh, at CPAC, and he also honored Rush just seconds ago. Now, the battles ahead will be made more difficult without the voice of one of our greatest field generals, my friend, Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) On Wednesday, the state of Florida had the flags flown at half-staff in honor of Rush, in honor of his legacy. Rush displayed the courage of his convictions time and time again. Rush was one of the first to fight and win against cancel culture. Rush showed that fighting the left requires strength and that conservatism devoid of backbone is doomed to fail. Amen. What a beautiful statement. We just talked about Rush defeating cancel culture last hour. There's a lesson to be had here. Rush warned us. What Biden would do, he's doing it. The, the Democrats want the, the so-called VP, Kamala Harris, to overrule the House parliamentarian's guidance. By the way, that's a career public servant. We, we were told, you don't overrule career public servants. They want Kamala Harris to rule that the minimum wage is in order in this process, which seems, well, the House parliamentarian said, what? That's not, that's not an order. President Trump will speak this weekend at CPAC. So, of course, the left finds this dangerous. And and Jack Dorsey put up this stupid warning. If you clicked on a link to CPAC.org from Twitter, it told you it was possibly unsafe. And that's look, I mean, it's possible that that's just the side effect of of Jack Dorsey going through his day microdosing something or other. I mean, that's a possibility. I have no proof that that's not the case. So, as Rush has warned us, the Democrats simply cannot drain the treasury fast enough and no one was better at talking us through the democrats wasting wasting of other people's money than was rush do you people remember in the 1980s during the great era of reaganomics which caused a 25 year economic boom to take place Every bit of good economic news that's taken place in this country since the 80s is due to Reaganomics, not to Clinton's tax increases, not to anything Clinton did. If it weren't for the Republicans being elected to run Congress, we wouldn't have had welfare reform, we wouldn't have had balanced budgets, a whole bunch of things that compensated for Clinton's stupid tax increases in 1994 and 1993. So now we're going to have, we might have, I want to warn you people of this, Economic growth for the fourth quarter this year, when we get the number in January, might be negative 5%. 
That means, ladies and gentlemen, that revenue to the Treasury is going to be much lower than the fourth quarter last year. You couple that with all of the layoffs that have taken place and further tax receipts not being paid because people aren't working, and you add to it all of this ludicrous, irresponsible bailout spending, and we're looking at a federal deficit of $1.5 to $2 trillion, and back when the deficit was $300 billion, and Democrats were caterwauling about being irresponsible, the deficit monster was going to swallow us all up, and now Obama. Obama and his team are running around saying, deficit spending, no big deal. we got to do it. we got to revive the economy. You don't revive the economy with deficit spending. Ask FDR. FDR, New Deal, prolonged the Great Depression for seven years. It didn't fix any Anything. Unemployment didn't drop considerably. Tax rates went up. It was a disaster. And the New Deal was not about reviving the economy. It was about guaranteeing interminable power for the Democrat Party. And that's what's happening here. Elections have consequences. So we're going to have these giant deficits, one and a half to two trillion dollars a year. And the people responsible for this are telling us. And the auto companies, what they need to do to restructure and run themselves the right way? Don't make me sick. This is outrageous. It is ridiculous. For people who are running up an irresponsible number of uh, uh, amount of debt, stupid, unproductive spending. I thought we were going to bail out the banks. I thought we were going to open up the credit markets. Zilch, zero, nada has happened. A lot of people told you it was not going to work, and we keep doing it. We're going to bail this out. We're going to bail that out. We're going to take care of that. we still got $2 trillion in loans the Fed made. They won't tell us to who. When we are in this much debt, you don't have any liberty. You don't have nearly as much freedom, folks. When the government's running the car business, when the government's running the banks, when the government's running this or that... uh. Sort of like the DMV. You have to go there because there's nowhere else. And you know what that's like. And when they end up running a health care business, it's going to be more the same. Dit, 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 ditto. But Rush, but Rush, it's only $15 billion. It's only $15 billion. General Motors is $62 billion in debt. 70% of the GDP is going to, is, is going to be government in debt. If we don't, if we don't get, the, get a handle on this, that's where we're headed. 70% of the GDP is going to be government in debt. And the very people responsible for this have the audacity to tell the automobile business or anybody else how to run their business. The arguments of substance are taking place as they always do on the conservative side of the aisle here. Taxpayer money ought not be pumped down rat holes, public or private sector. Central planners have have, have no business trying to micromanage the automobile industry. But it is their business to micromanage themselves, and they are budging it. They are failures. And they can't even run their own cafeteria at a profit. And it's closed to the public. The Senate cafeteria is an open drain down which money flows. They can't even run their own cafeteria, folks. We see they can't run... With $3 trillion a year to spend without going into debt, they still can't do things responsibly. Federal government is hemorrhaging right now. It's going to be at least a trillion and a half dollars next year. And it's telling companies that they are being responsible, irresponsible. What, Barney Frank, Harry Reid, Pelosi? 
patting themselves on the back for insisting upon fiscal responsibility from the big three automakers? Don't make me laugh. Because I still break into a coughing spasm now and then if I do. Why not, why not try taking on some of this big government mandated discipline on themselves? Chris Dodd, why didn't you have the character to refuse a sweetheart mortgage from Countrywide? Why didn't you have the character with Barney Frank to look at Freddie Mae and Fannie Mae and shut it down or clean it up? You people have no moral authority whatsoever to be demanding financial or any other kind of responsibility from anybody in this country, particularly in the private sector. You guys can go talk to Colin Powell all day long and lament the nimrods and idiots who do not understand the sophisticated way in which Washington works. And we all understand it. You people are who you are because you do nothing but kiss ass with the media. You will do anything the media wants in order to get preferential treatment and phony reputations of greatness. You people who haven't the slightest idea what life is really like in this country because you get sweetheart mortgages and who knows who the hell else gives you things that you don't pay a going price for. You tell everybody else how to live their lives. Don't make me puke. I just had this incredible vision. That was Rush from 2008. And mind you, there are states in this landmass, like the country of California, in the country of Washington State that are considering banning gas-powered cars. We heard Rush say when the government controls the automotive world that they don't technically control it, and yet they're trying to. Elon Musk has said there's not enough electrical power in the United States to power these cars. Secondly, a lot of the electrical power comes from coal and hydropower. Man-made hydropower. But I had this vision. This vision of this office place in New York. The vision of the radio on. As an orange man. (laughs) Was studying deals. And paging through deals. I had this vision. In the Trump building. That guy named Donald Trump. Stop, stop, stop. Hold on a second. Turned up the radio. I want to hear this. And remember, the president talked about being able to buy politicians. And remember when the president, prior to the insane overreaction to the COVID flu, which came along all of a sudden, Tony Fauci went from, you know, it's, it, I, I would go on a cruise to Italy if I were a young person. This is not, this is less dangerous for most people than the flu. Something along those lines. To all of a sudden, this is Captain Trips and the Walking Dead all, all put together. It's like a land shark with a, with, with chasing a, a bunch of snakes on a plane. Right? Remember that? Before that, President Trump was dismantling those behaviors. I could see President Trump, Donald Trump at the time, saying, someone's got to do something. Really interesting to know if that was the case. The president will speak at CPAC on Sunday. Rush will be honored tonight at the Ronald Reagan dinner. You really will not believe this phone call we're going to take when we come back from a Rush listener. It's Todd Herman in for our departed friend Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. 
Todd Herman filling in for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh. We love you, Rush. We miss you on the EIB network. Now, unlike uh, organs like uh, the New York Times says a uh, federal officer was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, and that's that's the injuries led to the death, which has turned out, according to the officer's mom and others, not to be the case. Apparently, sadly, the officer succumbed to what appears to be a stroke at the police station. Um, that was after January 6th. We mentioned things that we get wrong. The honoring of um, of Rush will occur tomorrow night uh, at CPAC. And because of the strength of EIB, I made a mistake and said it was going to be Friday. And they, it might be that they have to set up a second dinner now because this is EIB. But I'm just a guest host. So probably I don't, I don't have quite that power. You know, people who listened for to, to Rush throughout the years... There was the political analysis. We just heard the 2008 monologue on big spending and, and the righteous indignation at that and the insider deals. But we also knew about when Rush would speak of family, the beloved letters that he would read, the, particularly from his grandfather's father. And he would speak of his brother and the way that he grew up, and he would speak so lovingly of that and the support that he got uh, in the, the legendary discussion of his mom in that machine he had that that allowed him to replicate a radio show in his home all of these things his father supporting him in radio even though he deeply wanted rush to go into the law and so people who knew rush maybe knew that that's where some of the optimism came from optimism and belief in himself in fact if you were with us yesterday we had a caller david from dayton ohio who said rush kept his mother alive after his father passed away there's so many listeners out there that can relate to that. And since we were just clarifying what Rush meant about being a Rush babe, and we talked with Anna, a former Rush baby who grew up to be a Rush babe, here's one such babe that he spoke to last year with an idea for him. Oh, I want, I want, that's, that's a host, that, that is a host error. That was a host error. I done screwed up. I read the rundown the wrong way. I take full responsibility. Everybody send me angry letters. No, I did that wrong. We're, in fact, going to talk to Tim in Turlock, California. Tim, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman failing at filling in. Tim, my apologies for leading you on the air with an error. <laughs> That's all right. I love your passion, Todd, man. I, I've become a big fan of yours. Uh, the you. ultimate Rush babe was Rush's mom. Uh, I started listening to Rush in 1988 after my brother told me about him. So I had a topic that I was going to talk about. It was about the movie The Fourth of July with Tom Cruise. And while I was on hold, uh, Rush brought his mom on uh, like he did often. And he had a conversation (laughs) with her. So when uh, he hung up, I knew I had him. Because he didn't. He didn't tell his mom he loved her. And he's speaking to now This is CompuServe days. Back in CompuServe and before Rush 24-7, there was a guy who transcribed every Rush show. So anyhow, I knew I had him. So I didn't get to my topic. I said, Rush, uh, I'm totally ashamed of you. And he said, whoa, what, what's up? And I said, well, you got your mom on here with all these millions of people. You hung up, and you didn't tell her you loved her. So he said, certainly, get my mother back on the line right now. So... He brought his mom, certainly called his mom back, and he had to humbly apologize to her and tell her how much he loved her, and it, it was awesome. And uh, and so he let me talk to his mom. Oh. So I had a conversation. I got a whole segment out of him. So I talked to his mom, 
and had a wonderful conversation with her and told her how proud of because we and Rush are the same age. So I said, you know, how proud I, I was of your son, of her son. And then I he played a he had a my brother had a favorite parody. It was called Sensitive Nineties Kind of Guy, and I have not heard that parody in so long. <laughs> So if those guys can dig up that parody, it was so cool. But, yeah, I, I definitely was like the hero of my town for, for at least a week. And uh, But it was – so I, I held that claim to fame that I was the only guy, only caller that got to talk to Rush's mom. Well, you may be the only caller who ever uh, successfully called Rush out that way. You know, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm feeling a little left out, honestly, because, uh, Tim, you could have really just nailed me for the uh, dual errors, correcting an error and then making another one, but you were too kind yeah, to I do that. I could have got you, too, but, you know, time was valuable, and I didn't, want, yeah. you know, I didn't want to rub on you, but, yeah, I got rushed good, man. I got it. Wow. You broke, you know what, Tim, you know what else you did? You broke the, you broke the prime directive of callers. What is the prime duty of a caller when they were calling the Maha? What was prime duty? Get to the topic. That's no, that's secondary. That's tactical. The prime duty of the caller Make is to... Make him look good. There it is. Make him look good. There it is. You, you, yeah. you, you... Oh, man. I, you know what? I should get an EIB badge or something like that from you guys. I'll tell you what. We're giving I mean... you... Uh, a far, I'm pinning a badge into, but you don't want me pinning a badge because I've made now. I could make a third mistake and actually stick you in the chest uh, with the pin. Yeah, so let's make it, it a, be worth it. That's okay. <laughs> let's make it a sticker. I'm putting a sticker on you, Good. Tim. That's a great, great memory, man. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. That is just uh, awesome. Super, very special, very special time. Yeah. No, thank you for the phone call, Tim. All the way from Turlock, California. That's just amazing. See, I told you. That you weren't going to believe these calls that we have, and, and, and so much more lined up. We'll talk. We we'll get to this this uh, this clip that relates to Rush Babes. And if you missed the phone call with Anna, it was a remarkable phone call. Grew up a Rush baby, became or yeah, was born, became a Rush baby because uh, her dad got her to listen through Rush's passion to listen to the message and to learn from the message, uh, and then she grew up into a Rush babe. So we spent some time last hour going through the actual meaning of Rush Babedom. Just wanted to remark on one thing at the top of the show. We're talking uh, during the break about this. We played that clip from Ron DeSantis. Did you hear DeSantis's emotion? As he just, it was like a brief 40-second clip as he honored Rush Limbaugh at CPAC. Again, Rush will be honored tomorrow night at this Ronald Reagan dinner. I don't, I was thinking about this. I don't believe that I've heard Ron DeSantis be that emotional in front of an audience. I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, a multifaceted man. He's a human being with a soul. So I'm sure he's capable of that. I really like that moment. I wonder where Ron DeSantis is going to land in terms of the future of politics. I mean, because there's another resident of Florida, Donald John Trump, who's one of his daughters has said that he's certainly interested in getting back into the game. President Trump will speak on Sunday. We'll hear some of Russia's words from a decade ago at CPAC. We'll go back through some history of the emergence of a possible Rush Babe dating site and whether that ever got off the ground. And I will go stretch my hamstring so I don't have another muscle pull induced error. Todd Herman in for EIB. 
I just mentioned this, and I, I want you to hear it again. We played this at the top of the hour, a little radio speak. Uh, this was now minutes ago at CPAC where Ron DeSantis made some beautiful and really emotional remarks about Rush just moments ago. Now the battles ahead will be made more difficult without the voice of one of our greatest field generals, my friend, Rush Limbaugh. On Wednesday, the state of Florida had the flags flown at half-staff in honor of Rush, in honor of his legacy. Rush displayed the courage of his convictions time and time again. Rush was one of the first to fight and win against cancel culture. Rush showed that fighting the left requires strength and that conservatism devoid of backbone is doomed to fail. There's a lot of people who should listen to that on loop about the fighting back against cancel culture thing. A whole lot of people. Now, at some point, this program with Rush obviously at the helm went from talk show to nationwide phenomena to cultural phenomena. And I would, in fact, I'm going to think about when that happened. Was it the bake sale, Dan's bake sale? Was it Rush's Right, those bumper strips? Was it the books? Was it the TV show? At some time, it became a cultural phenomena. And Rush's personality and wisdom and intelligence did that. And you and the loyalty of these advertisers, these small businesses that Rush Limbaugh made big. Believe it or not, there was actually talk of a dittohead dating site. And Catherine in Austin, Texas. You're next. It's great to have you. Hi. Hi. It's an absolute honor to get to speak with you. I grew up a Rush babe. Um, and in our family, we like to say you're the best friend we've never met. Thank you. And Thank you very much. I like that. Yeah. So I live in Austin, Texas, one of the most liberal atheist cities in all of America. And my fundamental viewpoints could not be more polar opposite. So I was wondering if you have ever thought about doing a Singles for Rush dating website. (laughs) (laughs) A Singles for Rush dating website. That is correct. Well, Uh, I personally think that anybody who calls your show is a quality person. uh, You're right about that. In fact, you know, we... I've never never thought about a, a dating uh, website. One of the problems with that is obviously all the women would want to choose me, and I I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't be available on my own site. But you know, you're right about something. You really hit it. it uh, we engage in a lot of audience outreach here. We started doing it during the Revere Books, uh, and it, it it continued. Uh, through a number of different uh, outlets that we are um, and and we've made it very easy for people to reach out to us if they want to share things with us about what the program has meant to them, how long they've been listening to it. We have found the most incredible people make up the audience of this program. It is I can't I can't describe for how heartwarming it is to listen to what people who participate in these outreach efforts literally say about about what this uh, program has meant to them and and me, of course. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the people of this audience are definitely quality people, and I, I need to thank you for that. Now, dating website. Um, <laughs> when I start thinking of things like that, Catherine, I start thinking of liability. 
Yeah. And all I that. Know. So, but you basically you want to find a way to access the great guys that are in this audience. Yes. That's that's what. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It couldn't be more disastrous than what I've currently been through. I'm sure. How did you end up? Were you, are you an Austin native? I'm not. I'm from a tiny town called Troy, Texas. Um, it's about an hour and a half north. And so I went to school at UT um, in a time that it was much less liberal than it is now. Yeah, but see, what had the tech companies took over that town and they started bringing their tech employees in. They started setting up their tech stuff like South by Southwest. Uh, they sure did, <laughs> and and they just culturally took over, uh, and w- w- of course didn't didn't hurt that it's a university town as uh, as well. So, uh, you know, I've 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 there was one time, uh, Catherine, I've, I didn't really dabble in as a website a dating site, but you, I don't know how long you've been listening, but oh, within the first three or four years of this program. Uh, one of the one of the snurdly, but it was Mario Snurdly, who was one of the original call screeners, uh, suggested that uh, it, it might be it might be a cool thing if every female caller had a photo with us on file as a requirement before she could go on the air. So I thought, well, this could be fun, and I mentioned this, and I required every woman who had thought that she might someday call the program and want to appear to send us a photo so that we could then qualify. You wouldn't believe, Catherine, the photos that came in. I mean, they came in by the tens of thousands. Mario Snurdly, I'd never seen a guy so happy. I bet. <laughs> And they were pictures. Women were going out to the beach, uh, taking pictures in their bikinis. Some were taking pictures uh, showing of some brownies that just came out of the oven. Uh, it, 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 it ran gamut. And boy, did I get in trouble. Oh, did I get in trouble. I got in trouble from the women who know me thought it was the most sexist thing. Why don't you require pictures of men? Of course, I couldn't tell them why this really happened. It was because one of the snurdlies had the idea. But see, when I, I can't blame it on one of the snurdlies because I'm the one that actually did, so I had to take the hit. And I, not easy. And the, the pictures are gone. Snurdly took the pictures with him when he was uh, <laughs> he left to go work at Entertainment Tonight or some such thing. But I'm I'm flattered by your question. That's that's a. And I'd like to find a solution for your problem too. I would love for you to as well. <laughs> what was that? I said I would love for you to as well. Um, well, what, what, say that to me slower. What are you? Hang just a second. Somebody's talking to me here, Catherine. I can't hear them. What, what are you saying? Oh, I just said she I would needs love for to you to find a solution. Uh, what well. is your solution? I I don't really have one. That's why I called the Great Maharishi. I thought maybe you would have. Oh, one. You, okay. Well, uh, Mr. Snurdly here is saying the first step may be for you to deposit a picture of yourself on file here with us. At which, Just let me know the email address to send it to. No, no, no. We're te- <laughs> <laughs> we are teasing about this, but this is a challenge now. Well, you've been you're 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 correct in your assessment of the quality people that listen to this program. And I, I understand the obstacles in your way living in living in Austin. Um, I don't know dating website. You that's something. No, we've never actually thought 
about doing. But I, I really appreciate you calling and, I, and, and suggesting the idea and the nice things you said. I really appreciate it. It's great that you did, and it's, it's great to meet you and have a chat with you. Now, there's only one uh, of the Snurdly brothers uh, still at EAB, and that's Bo Snurdly. So he's behind the scenes most of the time. Uh, this came from behind the scenes. A broadcast engineer, great idea, great description of what a Rush dating app would be like. Because I, I've never used Tinder. I'm, I'm married. I have no use for Tinder. Although I did, I checked into it when when Tony Fauci was saying in the midst of when it was all, this is the most deadly disease ever known to man. Well, uh, it is okay to go to Tinder and, and date. But, you know, if, if it gets really romantic, wear a mask. And he's updated that to wear a couple on your mouth. But... I don't want to go further than that. This would be the only dating site, if it were a rush dating site or app, where swiping right is <laughs> – that's that's the good thing to do. That means you're in. You swipe left, then there's all sorts of weird noises and, and a cacophonous sound. And your pictures erased or maybe vacuumed off the app. Long-time rush listeners, you know the reference. We'll come back with more. It's Todd Herman on EIB filling in for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh. It's Todd Herman in for our dear friend, Rush. This is the first full broadcast week uh, without America's Anchorman. And take a moment to reflect on what he has meant to us. Not just a moment, an hour talking about current news, but also lots of incredible phone calls of, of memories of working with Rush. Next hour, we will go through... Uh, some of Rush's CPAC speech from a decade ago. Rush will be honored tomorrow night at CPAC. Ron DeSantis had a great statement about Rush that he made at CPAC just about a half an hour ago. And we grabbed that immediately after they said it. The team picked that up. Um, you'll hear him talk about principles, not just debating policies, but that conservatives must not be ashamed of the principles that we hold. We must live these principles and I'll just tell you that having been in D.C., I know that there are many professional Republicans who are deadly embarrassed of true conservative principles. It makes them feel icky. We just talked about this idea of a Rush dating site, and Rush said, well, clearly I wouldn't be available. No, he wouldn't because of his dear wife, Catherine. Brian in Shawnee, Kansas, joins us on Rush's show. Uh, Brian, it's Todd Herman filling in, and you you have a Rush and Catherine story. I sure do. Uh, about 10 or 11 years ago, I got a phone call, and the number was blocked. So I didn't want to answer it. I, I don't know who you are. And that went on for several days. Eventually, they gave up on me, and they left a voicemail. It was Rush and Catherine oh. letting me know I'd won a contest. Wow. Yeah. And you you missed the call. I missed the call. One of the biggest mistakes of my life. <laughs> and so you did you did not get to speak with them? I did not. They wow. later, one of their representatives called me and told me everything I won, and it was huge. The great part of it was that the next year, I got a check with several thousand dollars saying, this is to pay the taxes on what we gave you last year. Who does No. That? Rush and Catherine paid the taxes on what they gave you. First class people. One of the Let best me- times of my life, one of the worst times of my life. I didn't get to talk to them. So what would you have said? I would have told him what big fan I am. Yeah. How much the Rush universe means. And right yeah. now I'd like to give my condolences to the entire Rush universe, Todd. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of people are feeling that way. Listen, I, I, I had a, an experience when my father passed that has um, inserted in me a knowledge that I met my father's spirit. I know it. It's not, it's not even debatable for me. I, I know what happened. I was lucid right. and awake. And I do believe uh, that, that, that Rush, you know, he, he accepted the will of God and he did it with grace. In fact, he did it with humor. He did it with grace and humor, and he did it with dignity, and he did it with optimism, and he did what he loved until the moment that he couldn't, and that's exactly what Rush said. I will do this program until I cannot. And so I do believe that Rush has, from a high, enjoyed seeing this. I think that he wants us to laugh. Ali, who's been with the program forever, and I were talking uh, prior to the show. And I believe Rush would want us to laugh, to enjoy this medium, this this medium that he saved radio, right? So that's a great phone call. I'm sorry you didn't get to speak with Rush. That is a fantastic phone call. Thank you, Brian. I'm going to take one more call. I'm going to talk to Frank in Glendora, California. Frank, welcome to the program you helped Rush Limbaugh build. It's Todd Herman simply filling in for the Maha. Hi, Frank. Absolutely, man. I, I'm in. Uh, I I lived in uh, uh, Sacramento and uh, heard Rush uh, in 1986 for a week, and then uh, I, I'm down in Southern California in Glendora. 1988. My cousin tells me uh, Rush is going to be on every day, and um, I just want to tell everybody that you know we do all the work, but Rush. Russia's advocacy of self-employment. I was in medical school at the time, and I didn't want to become an employee. And and it was it was Russia's advocacy of self-employment and describing it and giving us courage that gave me the courage to go straight into um, self-employment, being a life relations counselor, and bypassing being an employee. And um, you walked into my office. When I had an office and I had on top of my window, Rush is right. And as a result of doing that for five years, most of my clients were, were Rush fans. And, and I specialize. I specialize in in uh, in helping liberals uh, change into conservatives. You know, if that was really in them. Yeah. And um, I, I owe that to Rush. Rush was a oh. supreme inspiration, and I missed the guy, man. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Rush. Frank, we all do. That's a beautiful phone call. You and I are sort of joined at the hip in that way. I did not become um, a personal relations or someone who helped people in that regard. I mean, I helped people. In fact, I, I do more of that now than I did um, uh, earlier in life. But it was Rush's insistence upon never let someone who didn't tell you that you can't. Never let someone who tried and failed say that you shouldn't try. Never let the world's description of the only way to gain knowledge is through a structured environment. Never, never let that, never let that stop you. There's lots of ways to gain knowledge, and college and and, and higher ed and academia can be super helpful. The knowledge is the interaction with people smarter than you, and you can get that through mentors. You can get that through asking people who who have successfully done things. What were the habits you had that you got this done? How did you do that? That so in you that way, Frank. You and I are very similar because it, just hearing Rush on the radio gave me the courage to go into high tech and to start an internet radio network with my friends as co-founders. That's a great phone call, Frank. Thanks for calling Rush's show. It's Todd Herman filling in on the EIB network.
It's Todd Herman, always honored to fill in on EIB for uh, Rush Limbaugh. We're just talking to Frank. I can't tell you, and Frank was talking about, um, was it Frank or no, I think I got the name wrong. Uh, Caller was talking about Rush having changed his life from afar, having given him uh, the courage to go out and be self-employed instead of having a job. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, all legal work is, is honorable work unless it's uh, being a politician, in which case it's rarely honorable these days. I mean, there's there's some honorable people to do it, but like, you know, look, 3%, that's a pretty big number of, of honorable people. I think it's probably higher than that. Maybe it's, it could be up to 3.5%. Uh, and I've talked to so many people who've heard Rush tell the story of being fired and refired and and told time and again, you can't do it, you don't have it. And for that moment, a, a brief time, uh, going to work for the Kansas City Royals and then and then coming back and, and doing what he wanted to do, that which made him happy and that voice inside him, that thank God that God gave Rush the talent, but also God kept bugging Rush, like get into the game. This is this is what you were meant to do. And he often said to us, I'm meant to host, you're, you're meant to listen. Uh, and we all have these talents, as we've talked about on the show before. Those aren't unique experiences. There's so much more as we continue to explore the legacy of our friends, Rush Limbaugh, including much more, much more of Rush's voice coming up on the EIB Network. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What an absolute honor it is to fill in on the EIB network, and it's always 
Mark Stein was first to say this. I just want to make that clear. It's always filling in for the Maha. And today is, in fact, the day the Lord has made. And we have talked, and I want to thank you guys. I want to thank the callers today. It's just been an incredible pastiche. That's a great word, pastiche. As we've talked through the reality of Rush and what he meant to us as professor, we remind ourselves of Joe Biden is, is, is in the White House, gets to occupy it behind the militarized installation. He's already bombed another country. And Rush reminded us of, of Ron Silver, who later became a conservative, s- saying when Clinton was being inaugurated, what's with all the military jets? And someone said, those are our jets now. Rush was right then, right now. That when it's their jets, so-called, they like to do these things. So we've talked about that. We've talked about how EIB became a cultural phenomena. We've recognized it together today that, that Rush also became an emotional phenomena for people, giving people the courage to start their own businesses. Uh, it helped one woman talk to her husband who has had a, uh, I think he had a uh, replacement of the pancreas, I think she said. That um, or no liver replacement. That that it's it's okay to be optimistic. That be like Rush in this regard. We've we've heard this discussion. We've heard of the great generosity of Rush and Catherine in in regard to people winning you know, contests on this network. We've talked to people who've been instructed by Rush in ways of of changing their politics. All of it today, right in in one radio show. And there's more. Rush loved conservative principles. They never change. I heard Ken Matthews. I listened to Ken, uh, I think it was yesterday, that Ken discussed the fact that Rush didn't change because he was grounded in principles. And that helped us ground ourselves in our thinking and helped us really solidify what we felt and thought into the undeniable truths of life. It's been a valuable, valuable gift for a lot of people. So Rush did think he did talk about principles. We played this clip twice of Ron DeSantis briefly honoring Rush at CPAC. Beautiful statement from Governor DeSantis, who's done an incredible job as governor. So here's the Maha himself, okay? Remembering this decades ago CPAC speech where he talked about going beyond policies to persuade and speaking about our principles. This is my CPAC speech, February 28, 2009. I mentioned this yesterday, and I want to revive it today. When I told the crowd, the assumed throng, that we're going to hamstring ourselves if all we do is stay focused on policy. From a standpoint of what we have to do, folks, this is not about taking a policy or a process that the Democrats have put forward and fighting over it around the edges, if we're going to convince the minds and hearts of the American people that what's about to happen to them is as disastrous as anything in their lives in peacetime, we're going to have to discuss philosophy with it. We are going to have to talk about principle because our principles are not present in what's happening here. So where the hell do we go to compromise what we believe in when our principles are not there? Principles are just the opposite of what is happening. And this was a, you know, I was in a longer rant here about the, uh, this whole notion that everything focuses on policy. And remember now, at this point in time, we just got shellacked, and I'm the only guy 
not willing to cave and give in and try to get along and mitigate the damage. I'm out there saying, I hope he fails. And everybody's having a cow over that. And I'm saying, why do we accept their policy premise and then negotiate around the edges? Why do we accept that there must be a health care bill? Okay, they say we need a health care bill. Fine. We disagree with yours. We'll do our own. Why? Did we come up with the idea of a health care bill on our own, or are we reacting? Same thing with all the other policies. So if we get caught up in policy, they're going to win all the time because they're the ones that have this never-ending policy agenda. And we're always going to be on the defensive. And where do our principles and where does our philosophy tie in when all we're doing is discussing policy after policy after policy? I'm not ashamed to be conservative. I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Reaganite. I'm not ashamed to say that I am a constitutional conservative. One thing I've learned over the course of my life, not just in this career, but as a human being, one thing I've learned is you have to be honest about who you are. I don't, the last, like I, People ask me, in fact, here's the, the, the real beginning of this was, I remember when I really idolized George Will and William Buckley, and I first got a chance to meet them. You know, I'm, I'm sitting at home, not having yet met them, and wondering about them, and I, when I got a chance to talk to them, I asked them, because I, I had uh, my own impressions of them as being crucially important to the formulation of opinion in the country, uh, uh, having a great, great impact on policy events and so forth, and I remember I asked them, George Will first, you ever sit at home late at night, family's gone to bed, you ever take stock, feel proud about what you've done, and the influence you have, and, and Will just poo-pooed that, made it sound like it was sort of a silly question, and said, I I don't think of myself like that at all. I've, I'm, I'm thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. And Buckley didn't say that exact thing, but it was somewhat similar. you got to be honest. Who, I don't care who you are and what you do for a living, whatever. You've got to be honest with us about who you are. Who was it? Uh... Clint Eastwood, after he just shot somebody, one of the spaghetti westerns, some man's got to know his limitations. I mean, you can't. You're going to sit around and lie to yourself about how big you are and how important you are. You are headed for the biggest wake-up call that could crush you psychologically that you could ever face. Uh, that's why I have to, and sometimes like I kind of laugh at these people on, on like, you can tell. I don't care who it is. You, you can tell when somebody's really full of themselves and really thinks that they're the cat's meow, as my mom used to say. And then you realize their audience might be 500,000 people. And in a big scheme of things, nobody's ever even heard of them, much less cares. But they're sitting there telling themselves how big and important they are. They're living a lie. And I, uh, I've always tried. It was magnum force. That was that was the dirty hair it was not it was not the spaghetti westerns it was uh, it was Magnum Force, yeah Eastwood, and Dirty Harry. When Rush said and I you heard it too, where he said about the Republicans nibbling around the edges of policy, debating around the edges of what they want to do. I lived it. This was one of the most astonishing days, and I thought immediately. I, at the time, I, I had no real connection to EIB. I thought, oh, 
I wish so much I could have Rush in this room. This was in D.C., and the Obamacare thing had been announced. And in a moment of lucidity, back when Michael Steele was a conservative, he wanted to fight against Obamacare because Michael Steele said this is socialism. It's a precursor to communism. This is going to destroy the country. We're going to go on a political campaign against it. We're going to use the mechanisms of the RNC, the voter database, get out the vote mechanisms, to fight against this tooth and nail. And as a matter of fact, what happened was I was in a meeting, the leadership meeting with the RNC. Uh, I believe the chairman was there. I In fact, I know Michael was there. And... We got word from one of the one of the staff said John Boehner and Mitch McConnell themselves have told us to stand down on this. They didn't want it fought. They wanted to work within it. To work within a framework of the government taking over more health care, which is originally what made it to be so expensive. What he spoke there. At CPAC, that dynamic, Rush Limbaugh explained, extemporaneously speaking, happened 60 days later. That's how on top of it the Maha was. And I'm sad to say that dynamic is returned. <laughs> we see McConnell once again, well, yeah, we'll participate in the Democrats' agenda. But we'll change a few minor things. So much more to get to, including one of the most touching calls you'll ever hear from a woman who described the, 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 to her Rush Limbaugh was home. You hear that? It's Todd Herman filling in on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, a lifelong listener of Rush Limbaugh with you, lifelong listeners of Rush. We talked earlier. I'm going to try to figure out the time when uh, Rush made EIB a cultural touchstone. It's certainly a Rosetta Stone for people. It is it is a touchstone of meaning. It is a it's created a common language. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, some of the nicknames that the president Trump had put on people. Rush was first at that, and and in my judgment, not to offend the president, but perhaps best at it. We've talked about his consistency of principles, and one of those was that that Rush just loved the members of our military. Just. I've, and I won't tell it again because I told it last time I was honored to fill in for Rush and I just about broke into tears then of how he displayed that love on a personal basis. And I even have more stories about that sometime when it's my turn to tell stories. Today it's other turns and Rush's voice. Um, Rush got a display of this. In fact, this was put on a touching, just beautiful display in a call Rush took from a military kid who said that Rush was her home. Here's Amy in Fort Eustace, Virginia. Amy, thank you for calling and waiting. Nice to have you on the program. Thank you so much for taking my call, Rush. I'm very excited to be talking to you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to call. Um, first, let me tell you a little bit about myself really quick. Um, I grew up a, an Air Force brat. My father did not retire until I was a freshman in college. Uh, and then when I was 20, I married a man who had just finished up flight school uh, in the Army. So, um, and that was almost 15 years ago. So my whole, um, my whole life, I know the military lifestyle. Um, that's about all I know. Um, and along with that comes moving around all yes. the time. Um, I am in, uh, I'll be 35 years old this year. Um, I am in my 21st house in my life. Um, we, Whoa. Just, yes, we move Whoa. all the time. 
um, the Army has moved us uh, eight times in the last 14 years. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not complaining about that. I like it. It's always an adventure. Yeah. Um, but um, I was just talking uh, with my mom the other day, and none of my family lives anywhere that I ever lived growing up because they have moved around as well. So I really don't have a concept of going home uh, anywhere. Um, and I go visit family, but it's not really my home. It's a strange city, you know. Uh, and we were trying to think of what uh, constitutes home uh, for me. And, uh, of course, wherever my husband and my kids are, that certainly helps. But also um, I had this realization that no matter where I have lived, especially over the past 10 years or so, I have had Rush Limbaugh. And, uh, we, you know, we have the radio everywhere, and uh, I can just turn it on. And uh, so I wanted to thank you for being, I guess, my stability and, uh, and, and my home, uh, for, especially for the past 10 or 12 years or wow. so. Wow. I don't know what to say. <laughs> That is so sweet. That's so nice. Sweet's a metrosexual word. Uh, oh, well, you're, mu- you're much more attractive than the new uh, brawny man. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I agree with that. Uh, wow. I, I'm, I'm, um, well, I'm not often speechless, and I'm not speechless now because I'm talking. But I, that, that's, that's one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. Well, well, thank you. I, I, you know, I've been trying. To I mean, get a you would in. take the time of, of all things to, to to take the time to call about to thank me for that or to mention that. That that's very, very touching. I, of all the things that got you obviously have going on in your life to stop what you're doing today and make this phone call is. Uh, I, I am actually sitting also outside of uh, the Fort Eustis military uh, base. Uh, because I can't talk on my cell phone uh, when I am on, uh, you know, on the post. So you left your home to make the call, even why that? Well, well, I was I was driving and I wasn't sure I was going to get through. And I thought while I was driving, I would try. And of course, I, I got through. So I have pulled over, and I'm sitting here. It's at least 180 degrees out here, um, and uh, I'm not going to be able to get uh, my grocery shopping done because I have to go pick up my kids. But we'll just go out to dinner tonight and celebrate that I got to talk to you. And uh, it's a good day. Well, uh, that's 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 uh, that is so nice. I I uh, I wish my mother were alive to hear you say that. that my, <laughs> I really do. My my mother, she, that, 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 this would make her so proud. It would wash away whatever bad memories she might have of me for at least a couple days. Well, good. And, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. She would. She this would be something she'd be telling all of her friends about because she okay. she was always so excited when anybody loved her little boy. Well, well, yeah. we absolutely do here, and, and we talk about you and your show, and uh, my husband has received one of the um, uh, 24-7 for the military, uh, one of the, the subscriptions oh, the adopt- that somebody can the, buy. the adopt-a-soldier yes. thing. Yes, and so uh, when, when he is traveling around, uh, he, he logs in, and, and when he's not able to listen to you during the day, uh, he logs in and, and can get updated, and... And uh, so, so we we just enjoy you and enjoy your show, and and I wanted to tell you that uh, uh, you are like home for me. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that more than you know. From Rush being a home to a military kid to a gentleman who had scorted Rush when he went to Afghanistan. Dan joins us live now on the Rush Limbaugh program from Spencer, Massachusetts. Dan, welcome to Rush's show. It's Todd Herman filling in. Tell us about escorting Rush in Afghanistan. So it was uh, 2004, and uh, I was a sergeant in the Air Force at the time. And uh, when his plane landed, I had the privilege and honor of greeting his plane and escorting him around the flight line and, uh, you know, and, and uh, guiding him around and making sure he was safe. And uh, I walked on the plane, and 
uh, walked up to him and, and said, Mr. Limbaugh, it's an honor to me. I, I never called him Rush. I just didn't feel like I, I wanted to call him Mr. Limbaugh. And, um, and so for a very short period of time, I got one-on-one time with him, and we, we talked. And when I said, it's an honor to meet you, he extended his hand and said, no, it's an honor to meet you. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting emotional here because... So am I. It was an amazing day. Yeah. Um, I, I have a friend who was there, and you may know her, and I, I won't say her name on Rush's show, but uh, she got to be with Rush as well. What was he like around the troops? He was there for us. It wasn't about him. And I think he got more pleasure possibly than we did by greeting us. Hmm. He was an amazing, amazing person. He inspired me. And um, my, my crew that I was there with, um, we've, in, in his passing, we've kind of gotten together through our social media, and we've been sharing pictures and stories of that day. And all of us say, like your last caller said, that was a great day. Yeah. And it stands out as one of my greatest days in the military. Um, and I was on the air about a year and a half after I was there. I called in, and I was on the show with, with, uh, with Rush, and we had a great conversation about this same event. Yeah. And he put our picture on the uh, on his <laughs> website for the weekend, which was I love it. mind-blowing. I love um, it. He sent me some clothing. He sent me a nice <laughs> uh, shirt and uh, yep. pullover. And he printed the picture, and about a week later, I get a package in the mail uh, from him that he had uh, printed my picture, signed it, and mailed it to me. I yeah, had no idea how he got my address. Well, uh, come on. He, 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 I had my suspicions. Well, he, he's uh, Rush Limbaugh. He, he could put yeah, a call into anybody and, and reach out. Um, hey, listen, you know, sometimes, in the, even in the midst of great stories, the, the clock is, is sometimes on me. We have this thing that's, that's called a heartbreak. No, no, but let me – can I just tell you one thing? He, he was uh, to Catherine. Yeah. Uh, my 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 sincerest uh, condolences. Yeah. Uh, she was wonderful to him, and they were wonderful together. Indeed, indeed. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut in here, Dan. I just I because the clock's gonna cut us off. I need to tell you because I can feel our family in EIB saying, "Todd, you better." And I want to say, uh, we're really honored that you got to be there to uh, escort and protect our rush. Well, you were there, and, and um, welcome home. Dang it! Second show in a row where a caller got me tearing up. I know where this is. Man, this is the first full week without Rush at the helm of the EIB network. And what a call. I just had this. If you missed it, uh, Dan called to share with us that he got to escort Rush and protect our Rush in uh in Afghanistan, and he told the story of going on the airplane in this one-on-one moment and saying, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. Limbaugh, and Rush saying, no, it's an honor to meet you. And can't you just see that? It's almost as good. <laughs> it's completely different. Um, before before President Trump took to rebranding politicians permanently, Hillary will always be crooked Hillary, uh, Rush did that. And he put together such names as, and my favorite of all time has to be Slick Willie. You know, William Jefferson Blythe Clinton III became Slick Willie or Little Dick Durbin. I never could figure that one out, but that was the name Puff Dashel or Barack Obama's wife, the boss. But just this past uh, June, just, just a few months ago, 
A caller asked Rush about the origin of one such nickname. Mark, in a tractor trailer somewhere in Massachusetts. It's great to have you here with us, sir. Hi. Uh, mega dittos, Rush. My question is real simple. Why Chatsworth Osborne Jr.? Well, uh, you mean why do I call Tucker Carlson sometimes Chatsworth Osborne Jr.? Yeah, I call him that now. My wife says, stop that. <laughs> well, do, do you know who Chatsworth Osborne Jr. Uh, was? No, I don't. Do you ever remember watching a television show? How old are you? Ah, uh, 60. I didn't watch much TV, though. Okay. Well, there was a very, very popular TV show in the 1960s called Dobie Gillis. And okay, I never saw that. Well, it was, a, it was a college kids program. Dobie Gillis was a college student, and his buddies were college kids. It was, it was kind of like a college kid version of Leave it to Beaver. And, and one of the characters was this uppity, elitist, snobbish, know-nothing character named Chatsworth Osborne Jr. You know, who would name the kid Chatsworth? It's obviously somebody's last name, Chatsworth Osborne Jr. So the kid was a preppy. And it just have always, it's a very affectionate nickname that I have developed for Tucker Carlson. I haven't used it in a long time, but that that is the source of it. You should YouTube Dobie Gillis and you'll, 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 you'll see the character. Well, and, I'm gonna now when I get home. I yeah, should be able to make it home tonight. You probably recognize the actor who portrays Chatsworth Osborne Jr. But that show is now sixties. That 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 show's close to seventy years old, um, and it was in black and white. And I don't remember who starred as Dobie Gillis, but that that was the name of the show. Um, and there there were all kinds of great characters in it. And it was basically a bunch of smart-ass little college kids, even back then. Uh, and it was just about their lives. Now they interacted with, uh, with the professors. I was nine or ten years old when the show ran. I'm not even sure my memory of it is accurate. Uh, but what you need to know is that it was an affectionate uh, nickname. Yeah, Dwayne Hickman. That's right, Dwayne. And you'll recognize Dwayne Hickman was Dobie Gillis, the star of the show. But you'll you'll recognize Chatsworth Osborne Jr. He's a character actor that's been in stuff for sixty years, fifty years at least. Anyway, I'm glad you called out there, Mark. Now that's a great open line Friday question. And just, but Mark, were you offended by that, or were you worried that Chatsworth would be offended by it? Okay, good, good, because there was no offense ever intended. No, 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 no. I was not describing Tucker as a no-nothing elitist. It's a physical similarity. Chatsworth Osborne Jr., and I named him that when Tucker was hosting Crossfire back on CNN. Such was the power of uh, Rush's personality and the and the scope of EIB that people were concerned that the, he had permanently rebranded uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, on Fox News as uh, as Chatsworth Osborne Jr. That would have been cool on Rush's TV show. And speaking of that, uh, Lisa from Jasper, Georgia, joins us on the Rush Limbaugh program. Lisa, it's Todd Herman sitting in for our dearly departed dear Rush. Welcome to Rush's show. Thank you. Uh, I was introduced to Rush on television back in the 90s. 
I would be getting my children ready for school. And my family were all working class, Southern, hardworking Democrats. Uh, as we know, our parties are not as they were back then. Things have evolved and changed. But I was Democrat because my parents were. And I would watch, have him on, and I would get so frustrated and so aggravated, and but I couldn't turn him off. I kept <laughs> listening to the show. He kept, because he was so passionate with everything he said, you couldn't stop listening. And over the years, during that time raising my kids, I, I really didn't have time to, to really be political. And it's not until the last 10 years or so that I started listening again, and he completely changed my political views. Wow. Because he made sense. Yeah. It wasn't a bunch of gibberish trying to – it wasn't the things against one side or the other. He told the truth Yeah. about the news. He told us what was going on. It wasn't a bunch of padding uh, for, for the left or the right, and, and there did get to be some of that. But he made me be able to see things in a way that it was understandable for all of us. Yes. So I, I do mourn the loss of him, but I more celebrate all the things that he accomplished, all the minds that he was able to change with his words and his passion, and I think we're all blessed that we got to have that, that we got to have, be able to get in our car and turn the radio on and hear that voice and hear what he had to say. Absolutely. Rush shared, uh, before he passed Lisa, Rush shared that he felt sometimes that he had failed to not change enough minds. And and I remember that day listening to Rush in my truck uh, as people called to say, you know, I, I hate to disagree with you, but no, you didn't fail. Can you imagine how much time you bought this country and, um, you know, and how, how you've equipped us to be peaceful warriors right now and uh, and to push for what's right? I, I I wish Rush were here to take this phone call from you to know that the, that the TV show led you that way. But also, uh, I do believe Rush hears, hears words like this uh, from heaven. That's a great phone call. I really appreciate that, Lisa. Thank you for calling Rush's show. Well, thank you, and I look forward to seeing what you guys that have stepped in for him during the time he has he was ill prior to this. And I commend how you kept his his vision uh, for our country going, and I look forward to see what you do with it now it's, that he's uh, gone on to the better place. Yes, to the so, better place. There's my call. of course people far smarter than me. Uh, figuring that out, and, and it's just a blessing that EIB has continued in this way. And that just speaks to uh, the power of this network. I would just say one thing about these ads that are running from uh, Russia's advertisers. That that's, that's an incredible thing, and I hope that it continues. Um, and and I, 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 it's not my place to thank them. They're not my advertisers. They're, they're Russia's. I want to take a super quick call here before we go to break uh, from Uri in Sparta, New Jersey. Uri, have back a, a quick minute, and uh, thank you for calling Russia's show. Hi, Uri. Hi. Hi. 
So you want me to tell my story, and uh, you want me to say something about Russia Limbo, I understand. Yeah. Look, I was born and lived in the Soviet Union 33 years. Since they... Okay, fast back. I was born in a 10-room communal apartment. A family per room... One toilet, one sink, one kitchen mm. for everybody. Almost a, you know, like a 40 people there. So I learned quite early to hate what I had. Yeah. I started dreaming of the United States. Yes. I loved how did you, everything. Yes. How, how did you learn English? Or only because I, I, the clock just beats us up. Uh, how did you learn English? Well, I tried to learn it in the Soviet Union. I went to the yeah. uh, College of Foreign Languages. But the way they teach it is exactly not to talk. It's because what <laughs> if you become a spy. Yeah. So I didn't learn much. What uh, happened when I came here, I started, not immediately, but uh, probably 15 years ago, I started listening to Rush. Wow. Along my English from him. Wow. I learned America. I learned about America. But he, he, what I was going to tell you that, is that I loved America in the first place. Yeah. I treasured a button down uh, back in the Soviet Union. <laughs> a button, American button down. Yeah. Amer American chewing gum. American anything. Any piece of information. And uh, naturally, quite quickly, uh, I got, and my future wife, we got arrested in, when we were 19 years old, arrested questions by secret police, KGB, that is. Yeah. We were let go, but uh, when I was 21 and we had a son, uh, I ended up in a communist labor camp. I was released, and it took me 10 years, but I left Russia, and I came to America, and I don't know by I, I don't know how, but we ended up in California, and it was so beautiful. It was caught up yeah. time. Yeah, um, I, or I, I, I hate I, I I just I am killing I just die at having to cut you off. I want to hear your whole story. I, I wonder if we could call you back sometime and get the whole story, just because we're short on time. I, I want people to hear what our friend Uri said. He learned, uh, he he loved America, learned English from Rush. I, I got to hear the rest of the story sometime, Uri. This a beautiful phone call. Please stay and hold, and let's reconnect with you. That's just a phenomenal story. We need to hear more. Thank you for calling Rush's show. Please stay and hold. It's Todd Herman filling in on the EIB Network. Todd Herman in on EIB for our dear friend Rush Limbaugh. As I've said a bunch of times, Maha was an eternal optimist who's now eternally at peace with the Lord. Listen to Rush close out his CPAC speech from a decade ago with just such a message. So as you leave here, as, as, as you leave here, optimism, confidence, not guilt. It's not worth it. There's nothing to be guilty about. Don't treat people as children. Respect their intelligence. Realize that there's a way to persuade people. Sometimes the worst way is get in their face and point a finger. Set up a set of circumstances where the conclusion is obvious. Let them think they came up with the idea themselves. Then they'll think they're smart and they figured it out. Themselves. Who cares how you persuade them? The fact that they can be persuaded is factually correct. It's possible. And the main thing to do here, stop thinking that we are a minority. 
Stop thinking. Stop, th stop thinking that it is being in the minority that liberates you. It is your beliefs. It is your core principles. It is your confidence that liberates you. Let's talk to on that topic, optimism and principles. John in Duanesburg, New York. John, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. We've got about 90 seconds, John. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you so much. I can do it in 90 seconds. Mega heavenly dittos, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was listening to some of these calls. They're so hard to follow, but I'll do my best. Um, I remember, you know, Rush obviously last year uh, announced that he had cancer, and that was a huge comeback, one of the earlier calls this morning. But I have listened long enough, Todd, to remember when he lost his hearing. I don't know when it was, the late 90s. And then on top of that, there was an oxycodone-type addiction. I don't remember all the details. But tell me that those are not huge life comebacks. I mean, a guy on the radio losing his hearing, that would be like me as a, working with my hands losing uh, a couple of fingers, you know? Yep. Amazing. Just yep. amazing. Not only the cancer, but the hearing loss. That's always amazed me and how he was able to just come back from that with all the the gadgets and gizmos and technology that and the heart and the heart i mean god and the heart know. well and, and john you're, you're you're telling me one of my favorite rush moments when he came back and had the the you know was having to read the words of callers not hear them and he couldn't hear his beloved music before he got the uh the cochlear ear implant uh rush came back and gave us a lesson that i will never ever ever forget that with freedom comes responsibility. And, and Rush spoke of the responsibility for the choices he made, and it changed countless lives. I've heard people call and say, you are the reason I got sober. Great, great call, John. Thanks for that. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. Such is the range of a man who... Uh, so humbly and gracefully accepted the will of God and spoke of his talent being on loan from God that that today we've had a governor praise Rush uh, at CPAC. We have had a woman who described Rush as her home because she was raised in a military family. We had a woman who became a Rush baby through her own father and then grew up to be a Rush babe. We had a gentleman um, who escorted Rush in Afghanistan. We had a gentleman who who Rush convinced via the radio to go become an independent business owner uh, versus having a job and a decision that that man is very glad he made. And we've had wisdom from Rush back in 2008, the principles of which apply today. The descriptions of what Democrats do when they're in office apply today. And tomorrow night, Rush... Hudson Limbaugh III will be honored at CPAC on Saturday night. And then President Trump will give a speech on Sunday at CPAC. And gee, I wonder if President Trump will have anything to say about our rush. Such an honor to fill in on a by Network. It's Todd Herman. Thank you for having me. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.
Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He was called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.